Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Josh Brown and Xbox game exists again. And it's really, really good. How long has it been? <laughs> I mean, I'm hey, we got Redfall at the start of the year. No, we didn't. <laughs> that, no, we didn't. We did not get Redfall at the start of the year. We, we've not had anything since Sunset Overdrive. That's not true. What was the last Xbox game? Gears 5 was really good. It was. Forza 4 and 5. It's Horizon. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right, he says. Something that made people at an average dinner table scenario like I had last Friday say, should I get an Xbox to play Starfield? That, that bar has not been hit. I don't even know when. That is just Starfield. Right. Yeah. I don't know if they had one of those for the entire Xbox One generation, in fact. Like, it's uh, it's a beast of a thing. really good, like you mentioned, but that mm. wasn't a system seller like Starfield. No. Similarly to you, I've had friends, people who only play casually, been asking me, you know, is it worth buying Xbox mm-hmm. for Starfield? Like, should I get the S? Should I get the X? What am I going to do? Because I need to play this game. I'd say what I want to address immediately is uh, Phil Spencer's comments from, I think, earlier in the year or last year when he was talking about Starfield. He was like, it's not going to be an 11 out of 10 game. It's not going to be the thing that, you know, saves our position, you know, the solution forward. We've already lost. We're, already, we're always going to be in third place. The solution to us getting selling more consoles is not games. Lies. BS, Phil Spencer. We, you, it is massively about making a bunch of Starfields. It is. It is. But I can almost see. Well, I, I can see why he said that mm. because you know he's trying to lower the expectations he's trying to you know say to people it's not going to be an 11 out of 10 mm. and he was kind of right to do it because the Starfield yeah. reviews have been lower than maybe expected you know they've been mm-hmm. there's been a lot of sevens a lot of eights not a complete 10 out of 10 across the board consensus so I think you know in a way he was maybe a little bit cognizant of that yeah. so I'll throw him a bone there it is worth saying that the uh, response to this has been pretty divisive like I mean we mean you're absolutely loving Starfield absolutely like, you're about I think you're 20 hours ish just about 19 yeah. Right, I'm about 11 in as of 2 a.m. last night. I had to <laughs> chug as much coffee as possible to, um, you know, recover uh, this morning. But yeah, we, we're very much enjoying it. I think it's a return to form. I think it absolutely poops all over Fallout, uh, Fallout 4. Um, I think it's a return to form, the likes of the Skyrim that we left, the Bethesda that I loved. Actual role-playing from Bethesda. Who'd have thunk it? Is that? Yeah, I uh, think so. I'm interested to talk about that <laughs> when we go further into this It doesn't podcast. have a sarcasm option in the dialogue. <laughs> it it's uh, it much better than that. Um, but the general reception, uh, we're just going to talk about our own thoughts on it, why we obviously are like loving it. There are some qualms with it. There are unavoidable things with it. Um, it's a Bethesda game. It's a Bethesda game. There's some bugs. I had some dudes falling through walls. I had, a, I had the classic, it's almost a vintage bug now, of a character loading without a weapon, but just standing with a with right. a ghost gun. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. But um, but overall, and the biggest negative, I think by far, is uh, the state of the surface maps, the UI, how cumbersome everything is, and the weird opening pacing to everything. Absolutely. But it hits a gear. It gets phenomenal. It takes time. And there's only so much you can um, forgive that sometimes, whether or not it feels like a slow burn. And I think in this case it does. Yeah. Um, and thematically it makes sense with you joining, you know, the group constellation you're exploring. It takes time to get there, but I do think it gets there. It definitely does. And you know what? I can kind of I can cut it a bit of slack because mm. yeah, the opening is slow. Yes, it does throw so much at you so quickly. And yes, the UI <laughs> is absolutely dreadful. Yeah. But the scope of the game is so big, I don't know if they could ever escape that. Mm. Like, there's maybe a way to naturally open up this entire universe and get people more familiar with the systems. There's mm. certainly a better way to, to des- design the UI. But I just think with the amount and 
depth that's in this game, it's almost inescapable, right? That it's a little bit of a slow ramp up, or more importantly, I think, a little bit of an awkward ramp up where you're kind of not it's sure like, what the game even is for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I definitely back that. I think it has a weird, like, character, uh, like, prop- it has a weird uh, approach to propulsion when it comes to, like, why you're doing anything. Right. Um, we're not going to do story spoilers uh, beyond the opening, let's say, 20 minutes or whatever. Um, but, you know, you're a minor, like, in terms of working under the underground, you're not a small child. And you uh, go through the mines, you discover something, you touch an artifact, it's like, oh my god, you see a vision. It's Mass Effect 1. Yes. And then you get yeah. first into a whole world of, oh, what did you see? What's going on? But also in Bethesda slash, you know, Skyrim fashion or whatever, you can just deviate away and go do a million other things. Um, I obviously, obviously, that part's going to be your choice if you deviate away. But I think the um, the way they rushed that intro reminded me of Fallout 4, where like at the very beginning, I was like, oh my god, I, I kind of hate this. I was right. just like, really wanted you to set the scene a lot better. Um, the likes of, I would say Skyrim did it better. Um, or Fallout 3 did it better. But it's one of those things where over the years, I think, um, but Fallout 3's intro is iconic. It is! Iconically bad. That's a take, but I think that they still, you know, it's iconic for a reason in terms of they set it up. You have your, you're going to yeah. go chase your father. You only care about him because all the time you spent as a child in the vault. And when you finally become free, it makes sense that you would go everywhere all at once yes. as well as chasing your dad. Um, things like that that they don't really have here. It's just sort of like join Constellation, go explore the stars, whatever you want to do. There's hmm. artifacts to be found if you want, um, but they give you three main missions immediately. And um, the thing I really want to touch on actually before we, I'll wrap back around the story stuff. I want to address some of the, the criticisms head on because the biggest one by far is their approach to exploration and loading screens and fast travel the fact that it is not no man's sky it is not seamless you're not taking off from a planet going through the clouds into space going to another planet dogfighting along the way or whatever it's not a seamless thing Um, it is very obvious that this is the creation engine it is very obvious that they are I refer to it as uh, like a fallout or or an Elder Scrolls skin at the start of the game Um, because you are loading between every little thing even on the same planet you can fast travel around the planets so uh, I've already seen it being referred to as fast travel the game or loading screen the game. <laughs> right. Um, over time, I noticed it less, but it's very, it's there. Absolutely. I think, you know, I do think I kind of benefited from keeping away from like the pre-release trailers and some gameplay mm. videos beforehand because I know a lot of people were expecting that No Man's Sky level of seamless space travel where you're going from the atmosphere into the planet itself mm. and then landing directly. Like all of that is done through discrete um, loading screens, like you said. I don't think they're discrete, but okay. Well, I mean, like, you know, discrete in the kind of just the basic description of the word, like, right. like they are discrete sort of stances or yeah. cells, you know. Sometimes like you get a little cutscene. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you go from the sky, you load in, you, you land, you mm-hmm. take off, you load in again, you know what I mean? That's kind of just what I mean yeah, by yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and I was fine with that because, like, I've just kind of come to expect that from a Bethesda game. Like, that's just kind of, like, how <laughs> this engine works, like you said. And I don't mind it too much because I'm not even necessarily there for that seamless kind of space travel experience personally. Mm. Like I'm there for the quests. I'm there for the exploration. I'm there for the RPG elements. So mm. I, I don't know. I, I, I can see why people are annoyed. Absolutely. I can see how that could be better. Mm. Um, but it doesn't bother me so much necessarily. But I think that is a kind of personal preference thing. I think it's a weird thing because you have to choose to spend time around the planets. Like you're choosing to go from, like, there's like the three sort of, parts of this game. It's like you're on land, exploring, you're in the cities, you beam up into uh, space, like surrounding each planet. There's all, like, you can spend time in those areas, you can manually travel to a planet, but you can never land. You have to manually pick it off a screen and then land. Yeah. Um, and then you have the sort of combat encounters, the in, 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 uh, interiors and everything for everything else. But like, I am then choosing to spend time in those space areas and do dogfights and hail other systems. And one of the best, we talk about mission design and emergent stuff, because I think that's where it shines. Um, I spent two hours because this random NPC hailed me yeah. and just described something that might be happening on a, on a system and I investigated and I lost two hours exploring what that was, which wouldn't have happened if I wasn't spending time out around the planets. But um, at the same time, it's worth just sort of quashing that. And it's not like they've hidden it. Um, you know, they've always shown them, like in the gameplay demos that there was lots of loading screens. Right. But it is a weird beat where you sort of take a, you know, you're uh, on like a, a dock or whatever, you're about to leave, you're in a shipyard, your ship is right there and you sort of like hit pause, it can go in the mission list and then pick what you want to do next yeah. and just beam to the thing yeah. without even going there. You never actually just discover it you just arrive there you can arrive in the space outside it but then you just pick the next landing spot and land anyway so it's it's, that sense of discovery is weird it is it is weird and to be honest even though i've played you know near 20 hours of it i'm Mm. so early days that the kind of random space exploration is still really new to me Mm. i've not really done much of it i've been to three planets total you know and i've just kind of mined those for Uh, the amount of quests that are there and like the npcs you can talk to mm -hmm. and stuff but yeah it is it is a tricky 
thing to grasp because like you said, you know, you can arrive at a planet, scan the planet. That will give you a bunch of predetermined landing areas. Like mm. there might be a point of interest over here or a point of interest over there. Mm. But then you can go rogue and pick your own landing area and just kind of see what you find. Yeah. And that's quite cool as well. So they do kind of try to balance it out by giving you areas where you know for certain there's going to be something. Mm. It might not be necessarily good, but there's going to be something there. That bit, though, when you can, because you can choose to land anywhere and you can go back to Earth, for example, and, just, and like I said, just go around the and put a map marker anywhere on the on the uh, the world or the globe or whatever and just land. I, there was nothing there. And I know that obviously, mm. uh, story-wise, law-wise, what's happened to Earth, like there shouldn't be anything there, but you, that's the same with any of the planets. Like that aren't, Ooh. like there was the whole thing about like, I think they said there's 10,000 planets and there's something like 250 or something like that number um, that are actually sort of authored and curated and like have things to do yeah. and the rest of it is procedurally generated so I kind of found that although you can find those spots to drop in where it says like oh abandoned robot facility or um, human settlement or whatever it is the bits in between you're kind of just mining like iron ore yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. on the way like there is nothing there and I, I, I that's not necessarily a negative because one of the best things about um, this game and No Man's Sky is that you need all the negative space to make the positive work it wouldn't feel huge if everything was just full. Yes. You need that distance otherwise it doesn't feel like there's anything that you're finding in, in between. Absolutely agree. Like, I have found enough when I'm on those planets. Again, only been to three. <laughs> uh, when I've been just randomly exploring. Like, one of my best runs on the game so far was when I landed on the moon outside of the uh, first planet that you arrive at mm -hmm. and it just had like a bunch of stuff. There was like a robotics facility mm -hmm. over there with a bunch of pirates in. There was a, a bounty hunter ship that kind of landed and like came after me and it right. was just like four or five like just really nicely concentrated mm. areas that I could explore. Um, but yeah, I would fully agree with you. Like in between those areas, there is just like a lot of open space. And I mm. think, again, this might be a personal preference thing. I like that in my space games because like you said, I want to feel that kind of sense of isolation yeah. to a certain degree before then I stumble upon something. And it kind of makes you appreciate different planets. Like how inhabited are they? Are there, are there any alien species on this planet? Is mm. this one dead? Like mm -hmm. what kind of life are we, are we finding? It's why I really enjoyed, even though they do get criticized, Sized, the planets in the original Mass Effect. Like, yes. those that, those are defined by a lot of empty space. There's not always much to see. But when I'm playing a space game, man, there's something about the image of my astronaut in this massively vacant space with mm -hmm. the whole of the cosmos behind them. And they're just kind of like walking along a crater or something. That well, might get like annoying over 150 hours, but in this early in this early moment, there's a lot of wonder to that. Yes, well, that's why No Man's Sky was phenomenal. I st no Man's Sky still poops on this in regards to, I'm using safe YouTube words here, <laughs> but uh, poops on it in regards to that feeling. No Man's Sky is that feeling in Capsule, and it always was even at launch, yeah. because they had the scale of it, and you didn't know what you were going to find. And obviously it was subjective as to what you did find, whether being worth it or not. Obviously it was a reliance on mining components and everything else, and they put more narrative stuff in there over time. I always loved that feeling, though, that isolation of not knowing what's on the next planet. That was always such a, a pure explorative thematic that just yeah. totally worked um, and they're doing here. It's weird um, to bring in some of the stuff with character backstory stuff because because they are so hands-off and because they let you go in so many different directions you can have conversations with characters that refer to past events in the world that you wouldn't know or you don't know yet or mm. I had that kind of work where <clears throat> I was meeting up with certain factions um, Excuse me, and then my character was saying, like, "Oh, weren't you guys warring? Didn't you just just come out of a war?" Yeah, and I was like, "But in the other conversation, I'm being told about the universe, and I don't know anything, and I'm just this like humble miner who was like doing a basic job, and now I'm thrust out into the world." Yeah, some of that stuff can kind of happen out of order in regards to like what I would say is a better onboarding process. Like the first mission you can do, it's optional for the United um, the United Systems, the UC, whatever you call yeah. those guys, United Colonies. Um, that walks you through a museum that tells you the history of the law, the world itself essential stuff, like yeah. absolutely essential, made me love the setup of the world, but you wouldn't have that unless you manually sort it out. Well, the thing is, like, that is absolutely true. Like, a lot of that stuff is optional, but by completely combing those early areas, I kind of found, like, a bunch of um, NPCs that would give me that information in a different way. Mm. Like, you can go to the museum and just get it all in one big dump, mm -hmm. but I had another sub-quest, a, a side quest that took me to another planet to talk to someone where I found out a portion of that same history ah. through their perspective. Yes. So there are different ways that they roll that out, which I kind of that's thought really was like good. really interesting. Like, mm -hmm. again, we're not going to spoil what's going on with Earth, but you went to Earth before you got the backstory of it. Yes. I went to Earth after I had the backstory. So I think doing both, it kind of... I don't know, I think it, it does a good job of igniting your mystery senses and getting you thinking about, wait, wh what is this faction? Yeah. How do they relate to this one? You kind of get a drip thread... Dip, uh, 
drip fed a little bit, or mm-hmm. you get like the big exposition dump if you want it. I don't know. They've balanced that nicely for me. Honestly. I was trying because I, I, it's interesting thinking about where Bethesda are because in Fallout 4, they expedited all this stuff. Like that that opening bit, for as much as they talked about at the time, like, oh, we're going to get to see what it's like before the bombs dropped. It was over in like 10 minutes. Like it yeah. flew by. And then you were back out the vault. You were on your way. You're doing a Bethesda. You're doing like, you know, you're just, you're just in there. And that felt quite rushed at the time. And it's one of those things where like they have that sort of relationship with their audience. And we've seen enough Bethesda games now that I wonder how much they think they need to get that initial stuff out the way and then just set you off in a million different directions and try and walk that line between giving you something propulsive to do like you know looking into the ancient artifacts or exploring what's happened to certain characters or whatever but also saying this doesn't need to be done right now because we're actually going to make an entire faction that is about exploration so it's okay in world for in kayfabe for you to go do all these other things yes I've been watching (laughs) it so it's one of those things where I think um, that's an interesting line I don't know what you think of that I think they've almost intentionally like cut short the opening I don't think they nail it, though. I think the opening does feel... It's the worst part of the game. Hard agree. The opening is the worst part of the game. It's incredibly rushed, like you said. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I mentioned it earlier on, like Bethesda have never nailed an opening for me. Right. The opening of Skyrim is iconic, where you're kind of, you know, going to get tried, I suppose, <laughs> executed. Like, that scene is great, but I don't love... The, the mission dragon. that comes after. Yeah, that's, what, that's what I mean, that oh, scene right, okay. when the dragon arrives. Just a bit when he's on the wagon. Oh, no, no. The wagon, the first cut scene, the first like conversation you yes. have, great. The mission that comes after, less great. It kind of it started getting a bit bogged down for me. Same with Oblivion. Right. Like the narrative around that's cool. Mm. The trip through the sewer, really bad. Fallout 3, <laughs> I like the way that builds the world, but it's a slog to get through, especially on a replay where you have like an hour where you're just being this kid. And that got a lot of criticism at the time. Mm. And I think they've started to address that here where they're like, we don't want another Fallout 3. We don't want people saying they're bored because we're, the onboarding is too long. We want yeah. to get to that open world exploration as quick as possible. Mm. And they kind of haven't done that in a good way, I don't think necessarily. No. But uh, it is a shame because it's so much of the early game is about figuring this stuff out for yourself. And yeah, obviously you have so many places, so many avenues you can explore that kind of give you hints and point you in certain directions. But the first city that you go to, New Atlantis, is absolutely great. Maybe the best city that Bethesda has ever made, certainly the most complex and most detailed. But because of that, it's overwhelming. And you suddenly have about 20 missions and you're kind of thinking, I have no idea what to do now. I'm kind of um, paralyzed by choice in a way. Which is why we should wrap back around to like some of the, which is another kind of criticism that comes alongside that is the UI stuff and just trying to find your footing and it's weird because and I don't I don't want to cut them all the slack I don't think every single bit of this is like it works in their it, it works in their favor over time but you feel lost and then you feel found over time and I, it's one of those mm. things where like the UI is like just this weird radial menu pause menu where things feel buried like two or three layers too deep especially with trading and um, everything's just like on this weird if you're trading or selling something um, or swapping items with a companion it's all done with like LB but yeah. it just if it has one item in the middle of the screen and unless you notice on the bottom right what you're actually looking at um, or in the very very top left um, it's just a bit hard to pass that stuff out um, and then that kind of goes hand in hand with just thinking like okay my character's over encumbered because it's a Bethesda game How? where is a merchant how do I sell this stuff off and you bring up the surface map or wherever you are and you're, the assumption is a city would have a merchant um, and the, the surface map which again is one of the biggest criticisms of the game barely exists mm-hmm. it's, like a, it's like a basic to- topographical map of an area um, but done through like a dot matrix so you've sort of got like hills and valleys yeah. but no real discernible where you are and where you're going it just has like a bunch of badges that re- um, represent the districts and you're just kind of there as well so it's like okay what the hell do I do mm-hmm. and it, and I just couldn't I was like well where's the merchant I had messaged you and you were like okay there's one down in the slums somewhere yeah. like there's slums to this city like <laughs> what the hell I do think that um, if you're just trying to find a story marker I love that you can just like put a pin on that in the menu in the mission menu and then when you hit LB and bring your scanner up it puts the path on the floor and you can just follow it like Dead Space. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's a, that's a way better way for you to do a Bethesda and keep me out of menus and keep me immersed. Um, but I wish they just had a way of letting you know where to sell stuff or um, yeah. know which planets you've been to. Because if you want to revisit something, you can't. Like, unless you remember where you were, mm. there's no log of, like, where you've been or whatever. It's just And because it's randomly generated, it might not even appear again anyway. Interesting. I never thought about that, Elvin. Mm. Like, I guess because I've only gone to a few planets, I've, I've become very familiar with them, mm. like, that first 
City, I fully agree. Like, the UI makes the opening hours of this game far more difficult than they maybe should be. Mm. Every UI, every menu is frustrating to navigate. <laughs> like, the crafting system is frustrating. The shipbuilding is frustrating. Just finding your mission is frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's really finicky. It's really weird. Um, it feels but- so thrown together as well in terms of, like, stuff they've tried before. Like, I remember discovering the, the crafting table, the spell table or whatever in Skyrim. Yeah. And it's just kind of off to the side when you're in the first major part of, like, Winterhold. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we took that animation, that idea of walking up to a table and doing stuff, and we put a bunch of them in the lodge in mm. Starfield. And it's just kind of there if you want it, but yeah. you don't need it, but it's cumbersome. That's it. It is cumbersome. I think that's a good way to describe it, which is, you know, maybe ironic considering how encumbered you always are <laughs> in this game. Um, but... Going back to what you said about, like, you know, finding merchants, finding your way about that city, Mm. and when I said about it being overwhelming, it absolutely was, but one of my biggest joys in the early hours of the game was fully exploring that city because Mm. it was so big, and when it just kept on going, when I was finding new nooks and new levels to it, over and over again, Mm. I was just, like, blown away by the scale of it, and it allowed me to get familiar with the layout as well in a way where I wasn't just following markers, which was a criticism I had about previous Bethesda Mm. games, Mm. where I was barely even looking at my surroundings. I was just clicking the button, that's a merchant, I'm going to beeline there, I'm not even going to really look around. This Mm. time, I was kind of forced to look around. I was getting, you know, used to the residential areas. I I now know, probably off by heart, how to get to, like, the gun Ah. shop, or how to get to, like, the, the, the medical facilities, or, like, certain restaurants or whatever Mm. it is, and just uh, exploring that sea, which is called New Atlantis, and Mm. finding, you know, new missions, new NPCs to talk to. I was just blown away by the depth of it because going into this game, my biggest worry was that you got 250 planets that you can land on. You got thousands of planets you can, you know, explore and Mm. scan. I was thinking, how are they going to, retain what I love about Bethesda, which it, which is that detail, which is the level of quests, the mm. level of um, free-form exploration that you have and stuff that is constantly being you know delivered to you in what feels like a player-driven way. How are they going to maintain that with such a breadth of content? So I was shocked, surprised, and completely in awe by the fact that this was the most detailed city they've ever done. Right. And I was just getting quest after quest after quest, walking into this room, talking to this person, going into <laughs> this building, find out what's going on there. I want to learn about this religion. I want to do that. Mm. It just kept going and going to the point where I spent about seven hours in that city alone. Right. And I didn't even want to explore. I've got a whole <laughs> universe at my disposal, right? But I want to get to, I want to scour every inch of this. Mm. I want to talk to everyone. I want to see what's in the slums. I want to go down there. I want to figure out what this waterfall is. You know what I mean? Just had all of these points of interest. Mm. And I kind of thought at that point, even if they fall to bits towards the end, I just thought, you've managed this. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You've, you've nailed the, the scope with a level of depth that I that I wanted. Even if the other planets are a little bit sparse outside the cities, mm. I don't mind because the amount of content that's here... Amazing. I think as well because they have that super built up uh, idea of like a civilization or a major city like a metropolis because you know it's in that wider framing of an actual galaxy of potential. I know these like potentially cheesy ways of framing it, but it does feel like a big space sci-fi world. Like yeah. you have this city. Um, I was listening to uh, Gene Park from the Washington Post talk about this and he was saying it's the first time that Bethesda's had a, a living world. Like Elder Scrolls, yeah, it's fantasy based, but there's a lot of like uh, disparate locales. Like you're not coming across crowds of people kind of thing. In Fallout, it's the post-apocalypse. Yeah. They've never had to actually craft a whole world before or a galaxy before and I think that does come across in places like that I'm playing completely opposite to you where like they gave me a ship so I'm gonna fly it so yeah. I was just like I'm leaving immediately I didn't do any of the museum stuff I didn't talk to anybody um, hardly anybody uh, after that opening bit I even told because you you get partnered up with Sarah the leader of the constellation um, initially and uh, I was I was like can you leave me alone I, I did some <laughs> stuff with her for a bit and then we went back to the lodge and I was like and you have the option to be like I'll check in with you later so I was like I'll check in with you later right. and I went to bed because um, I was irradiated from doing doing some other stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and so I like, did that and I just started exploring. Like, I, We should talk about like when the game clicks because it's around about those. It's like, uh, for me, it was about five hours in, yeah. which I get is a, is a big ask. It like is. it really is. It's one of those things where like holistically it's not because we're talking about like a couple hundred, if not more hour game. But this is a slow onboarding process. It's a lot of UI kerfuffle. It's a lot of like um, getting used to how much fast traveling you're doing, accepting that you're not just taking off every, you're not even taking off in your ship. You're just holding a button to do yeah. it. Things like that. Um, when when did it click for you? Um, quite early, but I think what's interesting about this question is that it's going to differ from person mm. to person oh, totally. because the game is so open. Like we've played, you know, a lot of the game now. Well, you know, not a lot of the game, but we played a lot of it over the it. weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had radically different experiences. We did completely different things. I don't so think we cross over at all. We don't. The, the very we do. opening stuff. <laughs> we do, which is great. <laughs> I think we, I've done one main mission, and that's the only. 
part where we cross over uh-huh. on, but that's great because, uh, but uh, but it does mean that we have different um, moments where it clicked, I imagine, mm. because to me, it just clicked in New Atlantis. Once I started right. like digging into that area and doing missions there um, and kind of figuring out where I was actually supposed to go and how this city worked, mm. that's when it clicked because I kind of felt like I got into a rhythm. I was completing quests. I was exploring this section and exploring that section and kind of not mastering it, but getting familiar with mm. it. And I kind of felt like I belonged to a, to a city almost. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, you know? Uh-huh. And then when I kind of was finished up there, I felt like I was confident enough that I'd understood, I understand what the game is, I understand the systems, I kind of get some of the rewards and, you know, what this crafting item does, what this crafting item does, how mm. am I supposed to use my ship, um, am I supposed to hire a crew or whatever. The I kind stuff's of stuff's weird. Yeah, yeah. I felt like the missions there gave me enough knowledge about the lore of the world, how the game <clears> works mechanically, and, like, where I exist within the larger context mm. that when I left New Atlantis, I kind of thought, right, I'm equipped with the knowledge, like, I can take this out of the galaxy. Whereas for me, and again, personal preference thing, I think if I had went exploring and not found anything for a few hours, mm. I'd have been wondering, when does the game start? What am I supposed to do? Like, why haven't I been directed in, mm. like, a in the right direction. That feeling, that aimlessness is is part and parcel of what I love. Like, it's what I love in No Man's Sky. Like, it's, I just, these games, when they're saying it's a, it's a whole galaxy, it has all these different planets, and, you, and because you know it's Bethesda authoring it, you just, I just want to get out there and just poke and prod and see what reacts to me kind of thing. Because um, I don't comb the, the worlds. I don't comb cities in Bethesda games. I like, I want to have a, a satisfying experience. I'll talk to whoever's, like, you know, I need to, but I want to just live that life. Mm. I view Bethesda games, especially Skyrim, as another world on the other side of the screen. I'm going to just, I'm going to make a character I'm going to live that life for a bit. Whoever talks to me, whatever happens, like that's just whatever happened on that role. And I play through them over and over again. But Skyrim, I go back to like every sort of couple of years anyway. Um, So it was the same thing in this. Um, I don't know if you picked the parents perk at the very beginning. I did not. So the the thing is at the beginning, when you have to pick your perks for the character, um, they all have, um, they're like one good thing and one bad thing. And it's like, oh, you can have like super aim, but at nighttime you'll be sleepier or whatever it is. And I was like, oh, I hate this because I I just want to have a good character. I'd rather have nothing (laughs) than have to pick all these negatives. So I was trying to pick nothing, man. Can you pick nothing? You can pick nothing. Oh, I didn't pick nothing at all. I have found characters that let you pay 
later remove those perks, but then I right. thought it would ask me to replace them, so I didn't spend the credits. Right. So right, I've, right. I've just been saddled with all this <laughs> stupid stuff. But I ended up picking the parents perk because, mm. like, well, I've got parents. I'll just put them in the game. So um, I, if you do that, there's a whole other uh, set of scenes that happen where you can visit your parents in New Atlantis. They have a home right, and they haven't okay. they haven't seen you for years because you've been down the mines. And then you return and they do like the classic sort of like almost 90s family thing yeah. of like, welcome back home, son, and we've got yeah. all this food for you. And are you staying for a few nights? And uh, and I'll and you, you can be all like shut up, mom. I've got stuff to do. And um, so I did all that, but it was just funny because that kind of um, framed that this like child or what? I mean, my dude's like in his late twenties at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this person who sort of come out the mines, thrown into this wider world. All my dialogue choices reflect that because I was like, well, I'm I'm going to be a bounty hunter, but I'm like from the mines. I have really loving parents, apparently. Right. Um, even though I also picked that I was a street kid from like neon or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was all just like a bit of a, a mixed up thing. But the parents then start showing up at the lodge, and cool. they're just like, "We just want to see what, what your day job's like, son." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just, they, I brought some goods, some baked goods, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is like a hilarious start to this like kind of grounded sci-fi thing. Yeah. Um, but that was my sort of like proposed thing. That's not where it clicked. I, I'd mentioned all that because of the sheer variety in the class builds. Um, I'll talk about my moment of when it clicked in a sec. But what's your general build? What's your general sort of like approach been to? Like, are you, are you convers- conversating your way through stuff? Are you shooting your way through stuff? I'm conversating my way through. stuff. I'm I'm loving a bit of conversation. The diplomat um, backstory, right. I guess, which Same, gives think, you the persuasion uh, skill early on. So mm-hmm. I've been using that a lot of the time. I've I've had a bit of a difficulty role playing in this game, which is why I thought it was really interesting. Ah. You mentioned that was such a plus earlier on, because mm-hmm. while there are obviously role playing possibilities. The guy that I initially built, I actually changed completely last night after like 15 hours of play. So I built this old guy. So he's like big bushy beard, gray hair, (laughs) like like wispy long kind of like, you know, receding hairline, Uh like like an old disheveled uh, guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of thought with the backstory for him, he'll be like, he's this old diplomat. He's been exiled. I gave him the wanted perks or bounty hunter shops. I thought, right, I'm going to like build a story in my head. We're going to like, work around this he's down the mines who knows why he's down the mines yeah yeah but as soon as i kind of got off that planet and again started talking to people in new atlantis the dialogue was so bethesda quippy that i was like this doesn't work for an old man like it just sounds wrong coming out this dude's mouth Can you it not- doesn't work with the way that i was wanting him to be right. i found the options in dialogue were a little bit limiting in that regard like because the way he was speaking just didn't match up with mm. the way i kind of wanted to play him so mm. i swapped that out completely for a for a younger woman, and uh, in, in completely changed the look of the character. Uh, kept the name, which is Marty, by the way. Okay, and I love that the, the they refer to you by your name in yes. this game, like it's fully voiced. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I completely swapped my build because I, f- I just didn't feel like I could role play in the way I wanted to. It felt mm. a bit more constricted in that regard. In terms of builds and in terms of like stats and stuff, there is definitely more variety. But mm. so far in this early sort of twenty hour period, I've not found many. Um, circumstances where I've been able to really tweak the dialogue to kind of fit a specific mold outside of yeah. good or bad, essentially. Yeah, there, and there's a lot of, like, snark in there. Snark, there's like, a lot yeah. of Bethesda snark, which, like I mentioned at the beginning, like, Fallout 4 had a dedicated button for snark. It was just sarcasm, and you would get some sort of, like, snarky response. Um, I found it to be bang on, but I'm largely just playing as me. Hmm. I'm sort of playing as, like, a kayfabe version of me. Right. Um, there is, like, um, just, yeah, I mean, it's called Scott. Like, it, I just kind of play, like... I, I, these kind of games because they're so big. Um, well, it's only on repeat playthroughs that I'll I'll make a character from the jump because I always feel it's like when I'm picking perks and I'm picking backstory, I don't have the wider context of what that means. Yeah. So um, when it asks me like, oh, I'm a street rat from this, I'm like, well, I can kind of I can pick the street rat thing because I know what that's going to mean. But it's like, oh, you fought in the such and such war, and I'm like, was that just? Did I mean? Did, like, mm-hmm. What What were the sides to that? Like, um, I'm always a bit thrown off by those kind of that level of asking me what I've done. So I'll save that for another playthrough, yeah. and I'll just go through as me and see what happens. Um, I always kind of view the dialogue choices as like just all the thoughts that you could have. Um, but it's, the way that it's written, I quite like the dark kind of humor that Bethesda do, but it is very snarky. Yeah, yeah. it reminded, honestly, reminded me more of the dialogue in the Outer Worlds than and Bethesda's other games have definitely had this. Fallout 4 especially was, you know, mm. had, a, had like a lot of that snark, a lot of that kind of humor underlying yeah. everything. But yeah, it felt more like the Outer Worlds, which isn't a bad, it isn't a bad no. thing. It just didn't happen to fit with the character that I created in that instance. And I thought that was a, a little bit of a it's like the dialogue. Even though, sorry, just no, no. even though they have changed out the voice protagonist, like you don't have one this time around. Thank God. I also think, thank God, but at the same time, the dialogue options that I do have still aren't often that interesting, I find, all mm. the time. But again, that's only 
early days and not too many branching pathway quests mm. yet. Yeah, that's the thing. The, the bit that I'm in the bit I'm in the middle of at the minute is a, like a bank robbery and talking down some people who have taken hostages and stuff. So there's a lot more variation to that. I saved before I started because I knew it would go sideways. Yeah. And I've been exploring the different ways that that can go. And that sort of has led to various ways to be able to say things. Um, there was one thing, because I think the thing the overall thing I was going to say before is that I think the dialogue uh, tone-wise does skew younger. Mm. Um, even though they let you make an old character, they don't really have any sort of like more wizened or uh, reflective or they don't have an old a perspective to dialogue. Yeah, it's it's very like you're just sort of fresh out the the minds kind of thing, um, which is it has to, that has to be the way the story goes. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. But then why let me play as an older person? That's it, especially because you know I don't know maybe I'm getting caught up on this thing that like 0.1 percent <laughs> of the players will get caught up on, right? But it was like when you don't know anything about the the world, that was kind of like the instant. Um, kind of like, not red flag, but mm. kind of warning that I wasn't going to be able to play as this old guy because I was like, oh, my guy's 90. How does he not know anything about the world he's been living in? Has I mean, I guess he could have... a rock? Yeah, literally could have... He was a former diplomat. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess if it's letting you pick like a sort of political past and you still don't know the factions yeah. Yeah. Um, or who's been warring, then yeah. And I get why, because like we were saying earlier, you know, like it's such a big new world. Mm. Like the, the game needs to give you that information one way or another. And mm. I'm fine with it now. It just was something to keep in mind because I was hoping out of this game that they were going to kind of roll back a lot of the changes uh, negative changes I think that Fallout 4 made to you know actual role playing and converse, conversating Yes, and they definitely have rolled that back but not quite uh, what I would still hold up as like the peak which is New Vegas levels but Bethesda mm. didn't even make New Vegas that was no, Obsidian so that's my thing I, for me it's returning it's returned it to Skyrim like yeah. I, I've not loved a Bethesda game since 2011 and this is yeah. like way up there once it finally started kicking in um, which like I said I, I was going to mention the moment that it clicked for me yes. um, I think I, t- I don't remember if I told you about this before or not but I was like I was outside one of the planets and I was just, I was on my way to like a main mission. Like you hang out with a dude called Sam Coe. He wants you to go to a certain planet, but you can't get there immediately. You have to jump somewhere else. So I jumped to a random system that was close to that. Hmm. Um, and then I got hailed because random ships will hail you when you're just flying around, which is one of the coolest things in the game. You can hail other ships yeah. um, you can hail um, uh, like star, um, like platforms and, and sh- um, what do you call them? Like giant Space, space stations. stations. <laughs> I was like, salads? P.O.D.? Um, no, giant M space stations. And sometimes you'll just get static. And yeah, you're like, oh, there's so something, cool. something's gone down on that ship. Um, but I got hailed by this like old prospector guy who was just like, oh, hey, hey, how's it going, Charlie? And I was like, I'm not Charlie. And he's like, oh, I'm just doing patrols. I call everybody Charlie. He's like, oh, there's something going on in, the, in this other system. There's like, there's some, oh, there's some bad juju over there. Stay away from over there. Yeah. And uh, my dude was like, I could choose to be like, oh, well, there's someone in trouble. Can I help or whatever? And that kickstarted this whole like two two and a half, three hour thing of me flying to, I think it was it was Pluto that I ended up on, um, but like saving people in the Altair system, then going to Pluto and clearing out this whole sort of like factory, finding this um, all these abandoned experiments and what was going on with them. But it was the zero G combat where it all came Ooh, together. Nice. We haven't talked about combat yet, but it was the mix of all of it. It was the fact that it was an, an emergent experience. It was emergent mission trigger where this guy seemed to just appear and, and give me this thing. I chose to respond to it in a way that made sense for my character. I wanted to do right and help yep. and whatever. Um, I saved some people. I did some starship combat. Then I went to the surface and um, found some stuff. Went to Pluto and had these this really great like low gravity. The low gravity stuff is awesome. Yeah. Like when you melee someone to finish them off, or you do an explosive or whatever, and they just fly away. And um, the weight they give the bodies is great, which I know is a sick sentence, but it's awesome. Um, and you get to have these really great like military shooter encounters where you're maximizing cover. You're playing mm. the angles game, which you always were, or you could try in older Fallout games and um, with firearms. But it didn't like that game was so clunky. Like trying to play Fallout Three as a shooter was bad. Same with New Vegas. Yeah. Four got better, but I didn't think they nailed it in terms of coming in and out of cover or fully knowing where everybody is. Um, here, I think they've nailed it. Mm-hmm. And you have the motion tracker, you have the Destiny style motion tracker where it's like, oh, there are enemies in that direction. Um, and you can hit the scanner to sort of get an outline of where they are. Then you can pick headshots off. And it's like, you're just jumping around, like vert- making use of verticality as well. Yeah. Like getting the drop on people, um, you know, attacks from behind do more damage like they always do. But I just picked apart this facility really methodically and it felt so satisfying. I got some great gear from it. Um, and it was a really satisfying story thing. And there's even more story hooks that came out of that. Yeah. And I was like, this is where I'm going to be. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. the main quest is like way over there, um, but I absolutely love that whole thing that happened for a couple hours. That's the best part of the game, man. That yeah. ability to kind of go on one tangent and then have it define the next five hours of play mm. and enjoy all of those five mm-hmm. hours. You know, for me, it was um, last night going to Mars, mm-hmm. which you have to do for a main um, campaign mission very, very, very early on. But all you do in that mission is go to Mars, talk to someone in a bar, and then they direct you somewhere else. Yes. I was in Mars for the next six hours, right? Because I thought it, all of that was just like side content as well. Like 
really the game just wanted me to go there for like five minutes, mm. and I ended up spending the next six hours there because I was just uncovering story after story. Again, another kind of smaller city to explore. And then I was talking to the workers. I was trying to help them procure goods. You know, I was looking into the officials. Are they corrupt or not? Like, you try to get right. down to like what the hell the and politics of, of this entire kind of like sub city was. And Did I you just, talk to the? There was a woman that's right next. Did you talk? To, I think it's called Dago or something. The, the dude that's like bounty hunter. Yes, the bounty hunter. Yes. Um, or Deimos or something. I just said uh, random because I'll just talk to an NPC and then yeah. she was a character. Yes. Said, oh, I've got these targets and I've got this thing. And I did her mission as well. Absolutely. That's what I was going to talk about next because mm. while I was looking around this facility, obviously I was getting a lot of side missions that were marked as side missions, but then there were just a bunch of NPCs I could talk to and learn about their stories and kind of like do off the book side missions almost. Like mm. I went down to the residential quarters and I was talking to this uh, kid and he was saying like, oh, like my dad's gone, like my mom's having a hard time, she can't get any work. Mm. Uh, can you go in and try to cheer her up? So I was like, yeah, I'll go cheer her up. <laughs> so I went into her room, like kind of talked to talk to her and she was like, yeah, it absolutely sucks. Got no money, like I can't get any work. But you know, since my husband's gone, like the company has been paying my uh, room. So we've got mm. this until the kid's 18. And then just gave me the option to like give her 2000 credits. Right. So I was like, I'll give her 2000 credits. I've got enough money spare. And then we had this like kind of conversation. And again, it was, just this minor five-minute thing, but it was, like, unmarked, mm. didn't count as a quest, was just something you can kind of discover. Mm. And that's what I love so much about that level of death because I didn't expect that. I mm -hmm. expected there to be quests. But that level of detail, even in the NPC stories that, you know, 99% of people might not even find, that's the stuff I love about this game. There is entirely, uh, like, a moral or a texture of morality to the lore. Like, we should talk about the lore a little bit. Um, not necessarily, It's not really spoilers. It's just the backstory of the world. You, you find it by walking through a museum exhibit or, you could, like, you can talk to different people. I love, um, in my case, when I walked through the museum, there was an old veteran there who was talking about nice. fighting in the war and yeah. was saying, like, oh, you know, like, I fought for this war. This is my side, the United Colonies side. Um, but I, I, he, he was saying, oh, I think they just want to show it like this because that's their side of it. Um, and obviously, like, you know, the more you, you look into the past wars that have happened before your time in Starfield, um, you find out about all the different um, the pieces that were made and the armistice and everything else. Yeah. But I think it, it's so good because it, it just enforces that level of humanity that, that goes throughout everything else. You wouldn't care about the, the minor strike or the government system yeah. or the corruption or whatever else necessarily or as much in a Skyrim or a Fallout game. It's because this is ostensibly our living world right now if we had to go to the stars yeah. and then like could you bring all the world's governments together and fire us off into the nebulous into the um, the nebula and then go from there and it's like they it's it's pretty much our civilization plus some aliens and some other stuff um but i love that i love uh, the best sci-fi sci like sci-fi is my favorite genre sci-fi i love when you hold a mirror up to humanity whether philosophically whether psychologically or whatever and i just love them doing that on mass yeah like just reflect like, that's one of the best things about mass effect was like if you're representing humanity as a specter, what choices are you going to make? How are you going to come across in those courtroom decisions and everything else? And I love that they're just doing that on the biggest scale possible. Absolutely, man. And you know, you mentioned Mass Effect there. Like, obviously there are No Man's Sky comparisons, but to me, this is most similar to Mass Effect mm. in terms of its structure, in terms right. of the way it rolls out its story, in terms of the random planets you can like <laughs> land on. That's and true. I love that. I love Mass Effect. This Dude, is, Mass Effect one rules. This is what the next Mass Effect should be. Yeah. It should be following in this mold because mm. this absolutely nails the same kind of atmosphere that that first one did. Um, and yeah, I fully agree with you about the lore as well. Like that has been a joy to kind of uncover, especially because obviously it's brand new. It mm. obviously draws on some classic sci-fi tropes in some ways, some classic storytelling beats in others, uh, but it's still fascinating to learn about. And that kind of like sense of whose perspective am I getting that's what I want to explore mm. more because, mm. like you said, you know, you go into that museum, it's all UC branded. It's all kind of like trying to be objective, but mm. you probably know it's got a slant. And then you kind of talk to other people who were involved in some of those conflicts. Mm. They have a slightly different version. They have a slightly different story. It affected them in a slightly different way. Mm -hmm. That kind of like politics element is really fascinating to uncover. Mm -hmm. I do want to go back to what you said about combat. Though, yes. I kind of feel like we uh, brushed over that a little bit. No, let's bit. talk about combat. Um, I'm enjoying combat. I don't think I'm enjoying it as much as you. I love it. I find it a little bit brainless. I find it a little Ooh. bit clunky, clunky here and there, mm -hmm. but I'm still enjoying it enough because I think the weapons pack enough of a punch. I think you can like build your character in you know suitable ways. I don't think it goes mad with the kind of combat build you mm -hmm. can have, but there's enough there. And like you said, like uh, accommodating for different gravity um, states yeah. is really interesting. You know, being able to do those big jumps, mm -hmm. even if you uh, don't have like low gravity, if you've got like a boost pack, you get high. combine a boost pack with low gravity, you're flying. You're, you're literally, literally flying. flying. <laughs> Never have to touch the ground. And I, no. I try not to when I'm on like a moon of some place. Right. I'm just like skirting around with a power <laughs> booster. Uh, yeah, but I find it like, I find it serviceable. I find it quite fun. 
and I find it uh, the most enjoyable third-person combat that Bethesda's ever had. I was going to say, all, I, all my thoughts, just super quick, are yeah. through the lens of it's a Bethesda shooter. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. Like, it's not Titanfall. Right? It's definitely not, but it's 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 good for a Bethesda game. And that kind of sounds harsh, but, like, mm. because they're... I always find, because their focus is always elsewhere on that kind of world-building, on those kind of quests and NPCs and stuff, like, it's always a bonus if the shooter yeah. feels, like, anywhere near to the level of, like, a, a main first-person shooter you would mm-hmm. play. And this definitely tries to go for that. But yeah, I've been playing a lot in third person, which again right. gives me those Mass Effect vibes because I think Bioware, you can do something <laughs> similar, please. There's um there's one encounter that I had last night. I messaged you saying that's my favorite thing I've played all year. Yeah. And I'm not gonna describe it because it, it's not a spoiler. Um it would obviously spoil what the encounter is. Yes. Um or the um the, the scene is. Um you should go find that. But the just the, that was the one time I went to third person because I wanted to see more of what was happening. Um, I do like how much they've done with the third person. There's a bit more weight to your character in third. I still think that they take up a bit too much of the screen when you're trying to take on a bunch of enemies like forward facing. Okay. Um, I end up just going into first person so I can aim a bit better. Right. Um, but also like depending on which weapons you've got and whatever you gravitate towards, like one of my best weapons is this um, really good one shot rifle that I sort of. Just, I always end up with a one shot rifle in these games. Nice. Because um, I always find that in Bethesda combat encounters, it's like you have little pockets of enemies that become the worlds are so big you can you can approach from miles away get yeah. a vantage point and just pick everybody off and watch the AI freak out because they can't figure out where you are or anything um, and so there's a lot of that so I sort of like I do have a long range rifle and I'm a bounty hunter so it kind of makes sense that mm-hmm. I would pick off some of my targets then I run in with a machete and finish everybody else off but um, it's one of those things where like the weapons for me so far have been a lot of Grendels a lot of assault rifles right? Um, and then I've, I've found a couple of because uh, they have a loot they have like the loot system they have like epics and rares and yeah. legendaries and it's the it's the one thing, the only thing that makes you go like, oh, this was from someone else. Whereas like everything else, it's Bethesda AF. And right. I know they've, ad- they've adapted um, the standard loot system across the last few years. It's in uh, Fallout Shelter. I think it's in Fallout 76. It's in Fallout 4. Fallout 4, like just the same loot rarity colors, you know, green, blue, purple, gold. Um, and it's just that thing of like, oh, that this is a reminder that this is a video game in the most direct way yeah. like as opposed to everything else which is just no you come to me like in terms of all the UI stuff and figuring it out and the slow pacing and the reward and everything else but yeah I mentioned that because yeah every now and then you'll get like a, a better weapon like a, a fancier thing that maybe fires like two shots every four shots or something like that um, but I'm not thinking about the weapons I'm getting necessarily. I'm more mm. just going like body to body to body. And I'm thinking about like, I'm playing the angles game. I'm using the cover. Right. Like I love the systematic clearing out of a place. Yes. It's just so satisfying. It's like yeah. a really like, it's like an old school, like Rainbow Six Vegas kind of thing. Like an old school military shooter. It kind shooter. of is, man. Like I'm a pistols and shotgun guy in right. these games. So I feel like it works for kind of Bethesda's clunkier shooting mm. where it's like, okay, I can have a hard hitting pistol, get a few headshots right. on the gun or like a close range shotgun. Mm. And that's been very satisfying. Like I said, like the kick on that has been good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you when it clicks and you do clear out one of those rooms and it, it all works, you think, that was really good. That's yeah. another a, a great little thing this game has under its hat, that it, it works as an in-the-moment shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it works all the time, but when it does, it's, it's I would satisfying. definitely encourage you to try the other weapons, because I would say the pistols and shotguns are some of the worst. Don't get but, me wrong. I've yeah. tried the, uh, like, I was similar to you, using a Grendel for a lot mm. of the time. I was using a, a sniper rifle, which is really satisfying. Um, I've used the laser guns, which I thought were really good. Mm-hmm. I got a cool laser pistol. I've Definitely, um, I've, I've actually settled on pistols and shotguns. Right, okay. I, I've tried them all. Well, all the ones that I've had available to me right now, and like pistols and shotguns mm. are the most satisfying because like I've got like this Desert Eagle uh, variation, and then I've got uh, pretty much the shotgun from No Country for Old Men. It's like a silenced, <laughs> like really powerful shotgun that just takes people down on one hit. Ah. So obviously, doing that silent shotgun always sounds really good in games. Right. So that's uh, been working for me. I've kind of settled on that. Uh, my uh, my fake dad gave me a pistol handed down from his dad. Oh, that's cool. And so he's like, oh, it's this thing that our, our dad used, and uh, and he's like, I've polished it up and made it all good. It's like a little. It almost looks like a P90 or something. It's like a little Bond gun. Yes. Um, and that thing does, like, it, it, it. for a while it was my most powerful pistol, but it, I think it takes a specific type of ammo that you can't get anymore. Right. So I've now expended it because I had to shoot a lot of people in the face. Yeah. But, um, but I like that. And so, like, yeah, good big mix of guns and stuff. I like that they just let you um, heal almost on the D-pad. You're sort of just down and then hit A or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of just keep going in those encounters. But, yeah, I'm loving the combat. It's the thing, it's the thing that made it click. Like, it right, was the right. emerging gameplay, but it was the, it was the feeling of the music in the back. Oh my god, the music, the music. by the way. Um, a phenomenal Bethesda score. Like I actually don't know the composer to my um my detriment or whatever, but Fallout 4 didn't make a mark for me music-wise mm-hmm. um, at all. Obviously, neither, neither did Fallout 76. Um, Skyrim is iconic, like every single bit of that game. And the way that they would... 
uh, code it based on the biome you were in and how they yeah. would tell that you were coming up on something. So they would play something as an as an arriving piece of music. Starfield knows exactly what it's doing, yeah. um, and it knows when to put in the epic stuff, and it knows when to pull back. And I just I just love that. I love um, even just on a, um, a technical wizardry side, scoring something that mm-hmm. is then coming in based on uh, geometry and geography. I think that stuff is incredible. Um, but yeah, it was the combat mixed with the strings, mixed with having conversations with my companions, um, all in one. That's it. That's where I kind of think, like, obviously this game has criticisms. You could literally do as long as a podcast as we've done now mm. and just fill it with criticisms, like little nitpicks <laughs> or big nitpicks or, like, big issues that should be fixed soon. But oh, to me, all that melts away. And it's, like, it's excusing it to a degree, but I just kind of find those kind of, like, smaller issues don't matter to me when mm. the large picture clicks that much because yeah. like yeah when this when the score comes in and the combat works and you're on this uncharted planet and you're finding out all of these new quests and stuff and you're you're living in that world you're mm-hmm. fully immersed in it like i don't i don't mind that the ui is a little clunky if, if, I got you, if i'm getting used to it if that's the sacrifice i have to make to get that experience mm-hmm. fair enough like no game is in this it's not like a perfect 10 out of 10 by any means mm-hmm. but like I, I i i i don't know i don't know no, I, just, think I, I could have had a lot of slack in that regard maybe same. maybe some people can't but i can man because it's so my thing my thing is just that it's so gameplay forward like the the fast travel thing it's still fast travel just still getting to the place you want to go to and then you still have the wonder and the exploration on planet side or you can choose to stay in space and do things that way and mine ships and talk to them and yeah and dock in places and everything um we'll check back in um, across the week because there's a ton to talk about with starfield and we're running out of time well let me ask you i know we're very early days i'm only 20 hours in but yes. honestly if it keeps up the momentum if it keeps up this level of quality i'm looking at a game of the year Same. contender man like Same. it's certainly in the it's vying for top three right now yep it's a little bit too early to tell but as long as it doesn't fall off a cliff which to be fair according to the reviews it actually only gets better the, Apparently the main time. story is like the best thing they've ever written well, yeah. so and i'm one main story mission in so yes. i hope that manages to maintain that level of quality but man like i am fully loving it i played about eight hours straight yesterday didn't want to go to bed can't wait for this day to be finished so i can play it again. <laughs> it's, just, it's got its hooks in me i was looking forward to it it was my most anticipated game of the year and it's just satisfying when uh you have those high expectations and it doesn't let you down. <laughs> no, no. I think I wasn't expecting anything. Uh, like I said, I've not been surprised or en- enjoyed a Bethesda game since 2011. So uh, it's high praise to me that they, if they've returned to that. It's a return to form for me. Yeah. But we'll check in. And um, for now, this has been The Wind-Up. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. And we'll catch you throughout the week. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.